as the source band is finding their seats, I, I just want to share that we are continuing to a series called Revealing God. Each week our scripture lesson is coming from six chapters within the New Testament. We've been reading through the New Testament, kind of jumping here and there, and this past week we uh, finished up with uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, and then we read uh, 1 John. And next week we are going to be reading James, and then talking about James next Sunday as well. If you are not already a part of a, a reading schedule, if you're not part of a daily devotion, I encourage you to join us in our reading through the New Testament or pick up one of the upper rooms that are out in the uh, gathering space as well. Now, as we turn to God's Word, let us join together in prayer as we ask God to reveal God's self, re reveal God's wisdom and grace to us. Let us pray. Revealing God, guide us by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light. Continue, O God, to draw us into your presence. Create in us a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within us that our joy may be complete in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our reading comes from the first John chapter 1, and we're going to read until chapter 2, verse 2. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have, no, have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Unlike the letters of the Apostle Paul, the first letter of John does not provide the name of the author. Yet since the end of the second century CE, it has been commonly believed that the first letter of John was written by John, the author of the fourth gospel, and likely the last of last remaining of Jesus' original 12 disciples. Both 1 John and the Gospel of John share certain words, phrases, and concepts that are either rare or absent in other scriptures. It's hard to miss the connection in the repeated use of abstract terms like light and darkness. But unlike Paul's letters, the first letter of John doesn't seem to be written for a particular congregation. Nevertheless, the author had a, a congregation or a type of a congregation in mind, if not a particular one. It seems to be an early Christian community that is experiencing internal conflict over both the nature of Jesus Christ and what is the faithful response to him who defines their lives as Christians. Maybe you know the children's book, Are You My Mother? One of these days, I'm sure Abby will read that, or maybe you've already read it to her, Are You My Mother? by P.D. Eastman. It's a book that I read to my children, particularly my daughter Catherine loved it, I don't know why. Her nickname was Bird. Maybe it's, you'll find out why in the story. Well, the story begins with a mother bird sitting on an egg in her nest high, high up in a tree. And the egg begins to jump and jump and jump, and the mother bird knows that the time is near for her baby to hatch. So she goes off and goes looking for food for her new baby. But before the mother can get back, the baby has hatched. And the baby looks down, and it looks up, and it looks all around the nest for his mother. But he can't find her. And so he begins a search. The problem is he doesn't know what his mother looks like. And in fact, he walks right past her, looking for her. In the story, the baby bird asks a kitten and a hen, a dog, a cow, a boat, a plane, and a snort, a, a steam shovel, if they are his mother. Of course, the challenge that we are talking about today is not about who is our mother. Indeed, it's instead about properly understanding the identity and the nature of Jesus Christ and who we are and what we are called to be. That is our mission as the church of Jesus. These are the kinds of challenges that individual disciples and churches have had throughout the centuries, ever since Jesus was resurrected from the grave. 
And due to the displacement, even destruction, certainly not merely disruption that has occurred during the pandemic, the challenge for us of faithfully following Jesus in this world and being the church hasn't gotten any easier. We too are struggling to clearly understand next steps to follow Jesus and his call on the church and in fact that so much has changed and we seek to faithfully follow him in light of all these new challenges. It's been suspected that this pastoral letter, 1 John, was circulated by missionaries who took the letter to, to numerous churches here and there and, and everywhere who were struggling with their identity and their call. The letter begins with the author John sharing his apostolic credentials as an eyewitness to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, who is the word of life. John writes, We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it. John reassures us that the testimony that he and the others are proclaiming goes back to the original sources from the beginning of the Christian witness to the people and to the work of Jesus. John reassures us of the reliability of the witness. His testimony is undergirded by imagery that strongly conveys how his testimony about Jesus is based upon having directly heard, seen with his eyes, and looked and touched with his hands. Assurances continue with, we have seen it and testified to it, and we declare to you what we have seen and what we have heard. Only after laying out his credentials does John summarize and expound upon the message that Jesus himself brought, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Even though scholars still debate whether the author of 1 John and the Gospel of John are one and the same, it's quite apparent that they are thinking about the same themes and they are using a lot of the same language. It is in the first chapter of John's Gospel that Jesus' life is described as the light of all people, that it shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In both texts, darkness defines life apart from God, that is, the life of sin, where light, glorious light, represents God's glory and truth and the source of a renewed life for you and for me. Likewise, the first letter of John, we hear the proclamation that God is light. But we also should hear, all of us, the call to commitment, our commitment to walk 
in that light. John writes, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and proclaim to you. For John, and I pray for each one of us, past actions and accomplishments by Jesus move dramatically into the present in the Holy Spirit's power through John's life-giving testimony. The truth is, our identity, our lives, and our fellowship are to be centered in Jesus, both the light and in the one who gathers us into the light. Likewise, our participation in this fellowship is inseparably linked to our walking, continuing to walk in the light through Jesus as we are being cleansed from all sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, all of this is a gift. It's by the grace of God that we receive it. Even as the pervasiveness of sin is recognized, including our potential self-deception, if we say that we are free from sin. But John assures us, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Obviously, John wants us to avoid sin and to walk, most of all, in the light of Jesus. And he instructs us how we can be moved from the darkness into the light. What is the key? The key is forgiveness, God's forgiveness, freely given, and the grace of Jesus. And then our response, turning to Jesus and, and seeking to walk with Jesus and becoming more and more filled with the grace of Jesus and staying in relationship and cultivating a relationship with him. As we have already heard, John had already been describing Jesus as the word of life, the one who is faithful and just, who forgives our sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then beginning in chapter 2, John identifies Jesus as an advocate, but also the righteous and the atoning sacrifice. Now, an advocate is someone who can be called to come alongside someone else in order to provide good comfort and counsel and encouragement and help. Jesus' role as advocate for us includes interceding with God for our forgiveness and restoring us back into right relationship with God, but also with humanity. Yet today, many question the need for God in our, in our world, our country, suggesting that we can live and do good things in our own strength. This is the same temptation that John was writing to in our text today. 
John insists, and so should we, that we must walk in the light, which is only through Jesus Christ. Other routes, other ways lead to darkness, ultimately to a, a dead end of, to nowhere where no faithful follower of Jesus Christ wants to go. For abundant life, we must first understand and fully engage in the reality that we need someone. We need Jesus, and we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. There's no other faithful response for the believer other than seeking to walk with Jesus and growing in our trust of his love and in his grace. Understanding our need for God and then placing our trust in the Lord will allow us to let go and allow God to more easily continue to work in our lives and transform us. For when God pours out God's love on us in Jesus Christ, our parched lives are revived and our thirsty souls are satisfied and we're called back to the basics. What are the basics? It's loving God and loving one another. Do you long to experience God's mercy and goodness in a deeper way and extend them to others? Would you like God's light and love to fill you up to the point that it overflows naturally into the lives of others? I hope so. But in order for that to happen, we must first admit that we need help. We need someone to walk with us, an advocate, Jesus Christ. We can't do it alone. We need an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You see, in Jesus' life, our lives are revealed. Therefore, let us affirm in word and deed our absolute need for God. And let us place our trust in Jesus. And if we will, indeed our reward will be great in this life and in the life to come. Amen. Church, Hear this call to prayer and confession from our reading today. It is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, If we say that we 